So, when was your last checkup? Oh no, not you. Although that's important too, but when was your last vehicle checkup? When it comes to service, nobody knows your Chevy better than your local Chevy dealer. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule an appointment today. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James. And Monday night, we fiddle while Rome burns or the rest of the world or the country at large. We play trivia, but back in the day, we tried to talk to someone from radio and records of days gone by, and I thought, well, if he'll do it, because he spends three hours on the radio talking to you right before me, maybe we can talk to John Records Landecker, and he was gracious enough to say yes. So thank you, John. I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for asking me. Yeah, this is this is great. I eavesdrop every night when I uh, when I connect to the station and get to hear you. And I was laughing earlier because uh, actually, Fast Car wasn't Tracy Chapman's biggest hit. <laughs> what was? <laughs> Give me one reason. Nineteen ninety six. You played it. It won, it won a Grammy. I know yes, you played it. Yep, yeah, yep, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but it's uh, it it's so much fun because, of course, I don't think there's anyone alive who is a radio fan who didn't hear you in the '70s because, of course, WLS had that killer, killer signal. But yes, it I wanna, did. Yep. I want to go back, and of course, now you're on another one. But I want to go back further because you know we don't get into radio; radio gets into us. So, where were you first infected, and what happened? Oh, boy. Well, it goes way, way, way back to when I was um, in elementary school, quite frankly. Uh, For some reason, I was attracted to radio. Well, there's another reason, actually. My dad was blind, and Mm -hmm. um, he was a college professor at the University of Michigan. And he brought home an early dictaphone, which... uh, yeah, you could speak into, and then it would play back your voice. And so I was fooling around with it, and did that, and heard myself. And I'm like, "Whoa, hey, that's <laughs> sort of cool. How'd that happen?" And then, then rock and roll started coming in. Uh, I started listening to all kinds of radio. Um, one of my favorite programs as a kid was Ask the Professor. Which was on a public station out of Detroit, and if you you they had a, a panel of professors, and if you asked the professor and you stumped the professor, you got a subscription to the Atlantic. But if you didn't stump the professor, professor, you received a firm hand clasp extended through the radio, and I'm like, that is cool. I like yeah. that firm hand clasp through the radio. That's pretty cool. So uh, I just was into it all the time. I've never done anything else, really. That's great. Well, that's theater of the mind at its finest. So rock and we're emerging, and you're in Ann Arbor, right? Yeah. So you're probably listening to Ollie's Caravan. Wow! Listen to you. <laughs> I'm an I'm an Ollie McLaughlin fan. <laughs> Me too. Are you? You're an Ollie McLaughlin fan. How did? Well, when did that start? It actually started when he started to promote records because he had all these little groups before anybody ever heard of them, and they were just such great little records. Now it broke my heart when I much later talked to Barbara Lewis, who of course wrote Hello Stranger, and she said, "You know, I never got any royalties," and so that that sort of bothered me. But other 
other than that, just just great music. And of course, you know, whenever I'd be anywhere traveling, I'd have to join anything. So I think somewhere around here, I still have a Scooby Doo Club membership from oh WHRV. <laughs> WHRV was yeah the um, this was Ali McLaughlin was on a local yeah. radio station in Ann Arbor and then went on to as you referenced. Uh, I think he produced the Capitals' Cool Jerk, too. Well, not, sure, sure. Yeah. In fact, on the flip side of Cool Jerk is the Capitals doing Hello, Stranger and a really nice version of that. <laughs> you sure Records isn't your middle name? No, I'm, I'm positive it's not. No, absolutely. And thank God for radio, because where else would this ever pay off? But, you know, that... That 1600 was kind of neat because I think that was Ann Arbor's first full-time station. So even if even though it was just to the left of the glove box and you could only be in certain zip codes to hear it, it still was great that it was on at night. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, there were two rock stations in Ann Arbor at the time. One was WPAG, which was a daytime station. <laughs> yeah, the 1050. And the other other was uh, WHRV with Ollie McLaughlin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that 1050, I think they finally got 500 watts, but yeah, it was a daytimer because of uh, of Chum. It was a Canadian clear. I Listen to you. So, what, what, what is all that? What, what are you? I mean, this is crazy. Well, I, <laughs> I was in my room, too, uh, DXing wow. and uh, all that kind of kind of stuff and just uh, just loved it. So, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it was, it was really neat because you did a lot of the Michigan stations, including ILS and all that. And at that point in time, when you were dreaming of the big time, I'm sure you didn't think, I'm going to go to 990 in Pennsylvania. What was your goal? What was my goal? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I don't think I had a specific goal. If that sounds strange, yeah. I, I was doing what I wanted to do. I was at Michigan State University. I was majoring in communication arts. I was uh, married. I had a child. I was working uh, nights at WILS in Lansing. I didn't have anything on my radar other than completing my education and i guess i just assumed although i don't remember specifically thinking about it that i would you know keep working in radio after i graduated uh and i was a senior and then um other instances occurred that sort of put me on a career path that i had not planned and that was uh two radio aficionados, let's call them, students at Michigan State University who were not in radio, but loved radio, uh, recorded my show at WILS and sent it to a guy named Ed Richards, who was on CKLW in Detroit. And uh, he left and went with a program director named Paul Drew, to WIBG in Philadelphia, and they had an opening, and Ed Richards played the tape to Paul Drew, and I got a phone call out of the clear blue sky saying, you're going to get a call from Philadelphia tomorrow. They want to fly you in for a job interview. And I did. Um, And so I took the job, and I dropped out of my senior year. Uh, Unfortunately for me at that time, uh, you know, I was using uh, John Records, Landecker, and all of that. And I get to WIBG, and they inform me that my name is Scott Walker. Yeah. And 
Uh, it was a very strict environment that uh, didn't allow any kind of leeway, and I suffered. I remember crying uh, in a motel room, waiting for my family to come because it was so awful. The pressure was astounding. I'd never run into anything like this. Uh, the fact that he never fired me is astounding. And um, I was originally hired to work nine to midnight, but he uh, felt that uh, well, my talent level was really midnight to 6 a.m., oh. six nights a week. <laughs> <laughs> and that was not fun. And then it, that went on for a while, and then they shifted me to noon to three, and then the station was sold. It was sold from Store Broadcasting to Buckley Broadcasting, and they came in with a radio personality named Joy Reynolds. Mm -hmm. And it went from this tightest format that you've ever could experience to total anarchy. And it was a an awakening. And they asked me what I wanted to do, and I said, I want to go back on the air as John Records Landecker. And they said, fine. So I did, and... Did that for a while and worked very hard and then got a phone call from WLS and there you go. Oh, wow. Wow. Just like that. As soon as you said Scott Walker, I started to laugh because one of the things that Paul Drew used to do is to, to go well with the jingles, he liked three syllables. So That's Scott right. Walker. You know? <laughs> I didn't know that you were such a um, radio geek, for lack of a better term. I mean... Yeah. All my well, friends are radio geeks. That's great. Well, yeah, that's a one syllable first name, two syllable last yep, name. Yep, and was, and if you were the weekend guy, no matter who you were, you were Johnny Williams. Right. <laughs> so they right? didn't have to buy they didn't have yeah, to buy, so new, to buy jingles, new jingles, of course. Jingles. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Which is how much personality they allowed on the air because right. nobody could tell one Johnny Williams from another. Well, it's better than before that when everybody was Johnny Midnight. So at least at least they came up in the world. But, you know, Wibbage was, of course, interesting because George B. Storer was such an interesting guy. I don't know if you ever met him. But he, I did not. He sold Wibbage on the golf course, came back, told the board of directors, and they said, George, it was your only profit center. <laughs> the, wow. Yeah, because Buckley, uh, Buckley got, well, you know, he also merged Northeast Airlines into Delta for less than the value of the hardware, but that's another story. But I'll in, say. In any event, so you were there right at 117 Ridge Pike. Yes, I was. Yeah, Lafayette Hill. Now, the interesting thing, and I, I don't know how cognizant you were of this. Everybody thought that, of course, uh, FIL won because of Mike Joseph and everything else. But Wibbage, that 990, was an odd directional pattern. And as the city was moving toward Bucks County, the, the signal wasn't. And so there were problems, and you were on overnights. Were you cognizant of that at the time? Totally. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the the signal pattern was horrible. Yeah. Um, at night, I couldn't pick up the station in my apartment, and I lived less than a mile away. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. But yeah, was uh, it had been a big station at one time, and um, I worked hard enough when I got back on as John Records Landecker in 6 to 10 mm -hmm. at night uh, and did a whole bunch of stuff and went to high schools with assembly programs yeah. and, and this and that, and it made enough of an impact that uh, it caught the attention of uh, ABC Radio, which owned WLS at the time. Yeah, it doesn't get better uh, that, than that. And that's what led to that. And then when I get there, all right, they say to me, 
you're not going to use that middle name. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? No. Come on. <laughs> so that lasted for a while until that program director was gone. And the moment he was out the door, uh, the name was back on the air. Trust me. And uh, <laughs> I, I never really expected it to have the lasting impact that it has i I, you know it is my middle name it's my mother's maiden name and i thought once people understood that the fascination with it would maybe not go away but be like oh isn't that cute but that's not what has happened at all i mean i would say that every week of my entire life since then if i get into a conversation with somebody and they ask what i do one of the questions that will eventually pop up is, is records really your middle name? Oh, I mean, this has been going on for decades. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it is. It's, it's all I can well, say. It, it's almost too good to be true. It's like a guy I worked with in L.A., Don Steele. His, oh, middle, yeah. name, his middle name was Steele. His last name was Revert. And his mother named him Steele, saying, I know he's going to be famous one day. The and real so, Don Steele. Yes, that's right. That's right. And that's, uh, that's exactly how he got that. So we're talking to somebody who is famous right now, which is John Records Landecker. And if you want to weigh in, if there's always been these burning questions, well, now you can ask them. 888-876-5593. That's 8888 R O L L Y E on WGN Radio. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James, and that is the Capitals. Had to run for that Karen 45. That was a dead air you could have driven a truck through. And the flip side, a cool jerk, 1966. That, of course, is Sam George on lead. And sadly, he was stabbed to death in about 1982. Yeah, 39 years old. Just, just horrible. All right, so we are talking with John Records Landecker, and I have a million questions, but I defer to you. And John in Columbia, Missouri, welcome to WGN Radio. Wow, this is cool. I get to talk to two of my favorite radio people, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to butter you up. It's just how it is. (laughs) Aren't you kind? (laughs) Um, A couple things. Uh, uh, John, I haven't been able to find your book in an audio format accessible for the blind. Am I missing something? No, there is no audio book as of yet. Um, I've talked to a couple of people about that, but it's not uh, ever gotten to the point where somebody said, okay, let's go ahead and do it. But I've thought about it, I don't know how many times, but uh, maybe down the road. (laughs) You you should read it. You should read it. We'll all buy it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so the other question, John, uh, I have to say I appreciate both you and Raleigh because you two seem like you have a pretty good handle on your place in the world and in the radio business in particular. Uh, so, John, I'm curious to know, um, you know, you, you've changed over the years, and mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering what has been the most transformative event or series of events or whatever that has made John Records Landecker the man that he is today? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Good question. Um, Well, the most recent transformative event that was a total surprise and unbelievably welcome was an opportunity to work at WGN, if you really want to know. I mean, uh, it was the culmination of everything that I've ever been. You know, I worked here, I worked there, I worked here, I worked there. um, And now I get to be on WGN, which I've always wanted to be on, 
And uh, I guess that would qualify as, if, if you want to know what makes John Landecker who he is today, at least as far as the radio is concerned, this is it. And uh, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And it's an anomaly in the radio world uh, because we are owned by a company and we are the only radio station that company owns as opposed to everybody else and all the other stations that are in the United States that are owned by giant corporations and red tape and they're no fun. Let's just put it that way. So I hope that answers your question to a certain extent. Yeah, good. Thank you. Sure. All right, John, thanks for calling. Now, they're no fun to listen to either, and that's the, that's the saddest part. I always say if the CIA wants to uh, share state secrets and make sure no American will hear them, just buy the fifth spot in on a music station and it's guaranteed. It's <laughs> <laughs> about that's, right. Yeah, that's, that's really where we are. And, you know, in thinking about it, when you were listening to people like Dave Pringle and all that, if it was oh, like yeah. today, it never would have captured you. Never, so, because the op- exactly. it just wouldn't, it's not there. No, no, not not at all. Not so at we'll all. pick it up right there with John Records Landecker, and hopefully your calls, 888-876-5593, raleigh on WGN Radio. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James, that, of course, Barbara Lewis, and Ann Arbor Record, my heart went do-da-da. And uh-huh. that's what led to Hello, Stranger. I'm sure you heard that, John Records Landecker, probably yeah. all the time. Okay, what's this? Sign, it's Steve, Stevie Wonder, little Stevie Wonder. Sign the contract correct. of love. You yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that's early Stevie Wonder. Way early. Yeah, but it's a great little record. I play it's it. awesome. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I have a little AM station. I call it None of the Hits All the Time. And all I do <laughs> is play my favorite R&B on it. And, you know, every now and then people request and I say, look, I can't stop you from listening. I'm not encouraging it. Hang up the phone now. <laughs> and I've actually had people call. Can we be a sponsor? No, I don't take commercials. You know, <laughs> but I do. I play all these. In fact, contract to love. I might be in power rotation this week. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Yeah, you you betcha. But so you make it to uh, to WLS, and which is just, I mean, let's face it, that was so many people's dreams. And going back a little, us radio people, we were the smug kids in the back of the class on career day because we knew just what we wanted to do. And so here you hit LS, you're in your, your 20s, you're very young. And I would assume after a while you kind of get that empty feeling of what's the next goal. Did you go through that? No. <laughs> really? Good for not. you. Good I for not, you. I did not get uh, the next goal. Um, well, wait. Now, I I think what happened was towards the end of the the run there, I was first hired at night. Yeah. And then I wanted to get off night so I could uh, see my kids in the evening. And I got to afternoons. And then uh, the station sort of went to down the toilet, and I decided that maybe mornings would be good. So I did want to work mornings, and I went to uh, Toronto, Canada, and CFTR, and I worked mornings there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, speaking of CFTR, Donovan in Vancouver wants to chime in, so welcome to WGN Radio Donovan. 
Oh, good evening, Raleigh. Good evening, John. Hey. Um, that was actually going to be my question. Um, after the about seven, eight years at uh, WLS, um, what um, made you make the move? And I'm sure there's something, probably things you can't say behind the scenes stuff, but to to get up and leave Chicago and uh, and go to the Great White North. No, I'll, I'll say what it is. Um, I was working afternoons on WLS AM. And, of course, they had an FM station, and the hottest radio personality in town was Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer, and the folks that ran WLS hired them to work afternoons on WLS-FM and say, and, and that played out in the newspaper that they were hired to do afternoons at WLS. Well, I did afternoons at WLS, and... I felt that the all the things that I had been told that WLS stood for uh, were bogus. And um, I had been talking to a radio station in Toronto for about, oh gosh, six months. And had already been up there a couple of times, and uh, that was it. I decided, well, if that's the way they're going to go, um, I'm leaving, and I've got a place to go. So I went. Now, did, that's the kind of the story I'd, I'd heard on the internet uh, when looking back through it, kind of at the time, and uh, and how you know Steve and uh, Gary caused some some problems in later years, including <laughs> Larry Lujak walking out of his afternoon. No, them um, doing a walkout and Larry Lujak having to finish the afternoon show a few years later. <laughs> well, I didn't. It didn't um, have, my 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 um, problem was not with Steve and Gary. My problem was mm. with ABC management, yeah. who had been feeding me a whole line of things that I couldn't do. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the first huge promotions that Steve and Gary pulled off was Disco Demolition, which was at Comiskey yeah. Park. And I had been going to high schools in the Chicago area with a, um assembly program, and I would take a tape recorder with me and... These kids told me that uh, disco sucks. So uh, I recorded them saying that, and I came back, and I played it over the intro of disco records, and I was called into the general manager's office, and I was told, uh, we're getting a lot of complaints about disco sucks. You can't um, use that. And I said, why? He said, well, it sucks. I said, well, yeah, but it's not a – people aren't sucking anything. It's, you know – that table sucks, or that chair sucks, and uh, they said you're gonna. T- you, you tell me that if we don't play, if we don't let you say that at night, we're gonna lose audience. And I said, yeah. And then, like about a month later, I, it was disco demolition. So I felt um, a lot of things. Let's just put it, yeah. <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> now. What, what were there major differences between radio at that time in Canada and the U.S.? Like, did you have to kind of not only adjust your style for, for mornings, but also um, uh, adjust some of the things you did on the air to, for <laughs> different markets and uh, just to, you know, Canada being a bit less edgy than, say, uh, say Chicago? Well, the main differences that between working in Canada was that... Uh, you had to have a certain percentage of your music that qualified as Canadian content. And Canadian yeah. content could be anything from the artist to the songwriter to the producer to whatever. 
And so you've got a lot of the Guess Who, Bachman Turner Overdrive, Anne Murray. Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of them all right now. Uh, some bands Gordon Lightfoot. Had, yeah, some bands that I had never heard of that I thought were great, like Martha and the Muffins. And the other great thing about Canada was that you couldn't buy an audience. You weren't allowed to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on some kind of promotion. So everybody had to operate under those rules. So it, it sort of came down to your creativity and promotional ability to uh, take advantage of whatever you thought would be applicable to the market. And uh, Trivial Pursuit was invented by uh, two guys in Toronto. And you couldn't buy it. Because it was just too hot, sold out. People were, if you had one on the uh, TTC, people would try to buy it off of you. But for some reason, I convinced these two guys to give me a bunch of games, and I invented uh, Trivial Pursuit, the radio game, and it became a huge thing. And we just gave away, like, refrigerators, you know, I mean, typical game show prizes. There was no massive $1,000 mega mega prize but that was the kind of situation that it was that you had to deal with what you were given and it, you were the success of that relied on your ability to do something with it and that was the way it was with every radio station there and i thought that was a pretty cool thing because it it be made it more of a uh, even playing field well, and the other thing, and Donovan, you're probably aware of this, but with uh, with Chum being Alan Waters and Rogers being CFTR, you had two top flight contenders going at each other, both of them with great mm-hmm. signals, because by then CFTR was on 680 and had long go move from 1540, and of course that 1050 on Chum, which John knows so well, because that was PAG in, uh, in Ann Arbor. You're so, insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that was that was a, a nice battle. Uh, I mean, decades earlier when George Johns was there, it was a lot of fun. But uh, even uh, even by uh, you know by the early '80s, this was a great little competition. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the fact Absolutely. that you you couldn't at that time have CHR on FM. The, right. The CRTC right. didn't allow um, right. a hit format to be on FM. Right. In fact, it was George Johns who got that changed. He actually showed up in person, and. <laughs> I remember Rogers wasn't too thrilled about that. What do you mean you went to the CRTC? He said, well, I just told him, and uh, they, they relented. So, yeah. Mm. No, well, well, thank you for that insight, uh, John. I've uh, listened to your work over the years on, on realradio.com and uh, always uh, enjoyed your bits and humor, and uh, now it's great to have the chance to listen to you again on uh, WGN. Thank you very much. Right, thanks, Donovan. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we're talking to John Records Landecker, and you can too, 888-876-5593 is 8888-RALEIGH on WGN Radio. WGN Radio, I'm Raleigh James, and I think that's my favorite CanCon record, a couple of years before John Records Landecker got there, but Toulouse, they're from Montreal, and they were, well, CanCon helped them, but that was a big hit. I don't know if you ever played it as an oldie, John, but uh, that was uh, huge a couple of years before you got there. Don't remember that one. Yeah, at Toulouse. I remember when it was out, I was driving through Winnipeg and CKY 550 played at the top of the hour, and I, I called, and the program director wasn't in, and I just left a message. I thought, this guy will never call me back. And sure enough, voicemail at home in Philadelphia, he's saying, no, that's Toulouse. So immediately wow. I had to run out and get it. So, yeah, 
Yeah, probably the only PD who ever called me back, but he, he did. <laughs> Canada was friendly that way. That's uh, that's for sure. But oh yeah, uh, it's interesting. And we'll uh, we'll get to Daryl from Colby, Kansas. He wants to talk to you and anyone else out there. And uh, but I'm going to hog you for a couple minutes sure. because at some point, you know, you went through LS and the '70s was tough in many ways. It was tough musically. It was tough as radio progressed and times went on, and all of the things that were important to those of us who liked 50s and 60s radio were sort of flying out the window. This had to be, to some extent, a tough time for you. Well, no. Uh, and the reason why is that was the camaraderie between the all the air staff and basically everybody else, the engineers, and our guiding... Uh, so our slogan was, we were there to make this radio station a tool for our amusement. And that was it. So um, we showed up on other people's shows. We had a good time. We partied on the weekend. And, you know, the music was bad. <laughs> but there was really <laughs> no, nothing that you could do about it. I mean, um, you just sort of lived with it and... Uh, we didn't respect, I gotta say, we did not respect the music on the air. I mean, there right. was plenty of times when whoever was on was playing a record and was like saying something slightly derogatory about it. Um, <laughs> my, my, my story is the You Light Up My Life story. You must know oh, that story if you know all of these stories. No, no, I actually don't, but I'm saying, oh, God, because every year I do the poll of the world's worst hit records, and I don't okay. think there's been a year that it doesn't make the top ten. All right, here we so go. So let's hear it. Let's hear uh, it. You betcha. So you know that um, AM Top 40 radio stations in that time repeated songs over and over and over again, and You Light Up My Life was a gigantic hit, and I was playing it all the time, and I was supposed to be the nighttime teen jock, and I hated it. So I went on the air one night and said, look, I can't stand this You Light Up My Life record, but I know there are people who do. So here's what I'm going to do. It's like 6.15 now. I'm going to play the first 15 seconds of You Light Up My Life. In a half an hour, I'll play the second 15 seconds and so on in installments. And by the end of the show, we'll have played the entire record. Well... By the time I got halfway through this explanation, John Guerin, the program director, was in the studio with me, and, which I acknowledged and opened up his microphone. And the end result of it was that John conceded that the possibility existed that someone would actually stick around for four hours to see if I really did it. And as long as I never did it again, <laughs> it was okay. Uh, and that was my approach to that particular song well i'll tell you that that's quarter hour maintenance at its finest isn't it absolutely <laughs> yeah, that's what i yeah, said <laughs> come on that's great that's right no right. I, I i'd have rewarded you for that you betcha <laughs> now i was 
I was DXing one night, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I swear to God I remember this. And, you know, I don't remember where I was, but, you know, your typical ionosphere skip, and it's coming in, it's coming out. But I swear you played Chaos Part 2, the second part of it, you know, the Don't Be Nervous, Don't Be Rocky, yeah. Arbogast and Ross. So yes. what was the bit? Because I didn't get to hear the I, I just heard Arbogast and Ross, and I thought, God love him, whoever he is. <laughs> I used the Don't Be Nervous, Don't Be Rocky, You're Our Teenage Guest, It's Jockey. <laughs> As part of a show open. In fact, I still do. Okay. Do you really? What, okay. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't get to hear the beginning. I, I only get to hear the end. Well, it was, and, uh, you know, no, it was it was part of the show open. Well, that's And um, it was a combination of the Firesign Theater and that particular clip. And that was that. And well, I don't think many people knew that it was actually from a comedy 45 called Chaos Radio. And um, I just clipped it out and kept using it, and yeah, always have. That was, in fact, that was somebody the, on the air to me. I had a caller on the air the other night, and they go, "Jen, I've got one thing to say to you." And I said, "What's that?" And she, they go, "Don't be nervous, don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest disc jockey now." So it obviously made an impression, and yeah, I kept it. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. No, I, 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 I thought I heard that, and I thought, no, nah, nobody's still playing that. And oh, that no, was you the, heard it. Part- <laughs> yeah, that's great. it was the uh, party favor at the, the second annual disc jockey convention. And uh, I still, still have it. It was, it was just great. And, of course, at the time, the bits were so funny because, you know, KOS and KOS AM. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, AM, and that just brought down the room because you know nobody at there at the time thought right. that that would ever mean anything. So yeah, you better listen to yeah. chaos because nobody's going to pay us or something like yeah, that. It, yeah, it pays to listen to chaos, to chaos but not to work not to here. Work here. Yeah, that's but, it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we wish somebody would pay us. Pay us. Yeah, right. Exactly. And and you know, uh, what's your name, Elsie Leffler? I'm sorry, and so we had another dollar today. <laughs> yeah, right. So. <laughs> All right, we got Daryl in Colby, Kansas. Welcome to WGN Radio. Daryl? Well, good evening. Yes, hello. What a, what a pleasure. I think both of you are, are just fantastic. Um, and I have a question for Mr. Landecker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Kansas, and I would listen to you at night in the 70s uh, when you were on WLS and I always thought you were the coolest guy in, in all of radio. Whoa. But I'm curious, were there any disc jockeys that you would listen to during that era and, and think, wow, that guy's cool? Good question. Um, I listened to everybody that was on WLS. Uh, we all listened to each other. Uh, and I think we all considered each other equals. There were... Radio personalities that I listened to who were on the air in Chicago before I got there that I thought were absolutely astounding. The um, the number one personality under that category would be Ron Britton, who recently passed away. And when he was on nights at uh, WCFL, that was not, I hadn't heard anything like that ever. And... Um, I just thought he was absolutely the best, and I I wouldn't try to emulate him because nobody could. Um, so I thought he was really great. I thought there were a lot of really great uh, guys on the air, um, 
most of them I thought were at WLS at the time, you know, Larry Lujak and Bob Surratt, Tommy Edwards, J.J. Jeffrey, Yvonne Daniels, Steve King. Uh, they were, you know, these were all really great radio personalities, and we all interacted with each other. So, you know, it wasn't like there was some sort of big ego trip going on from one personality to another. We wouldn't, that would not have been allowed. Uh, somehow that would have been retaliated against if any of the uh, air staff tried to pull any of that. And you can ask anybody who was there, Charlie Van Dyke, Je- uh, Jeff Davis. Uh, it was all like th- it was always like that. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah, it's winning in the halls before you win on the air. And exactly. It yes. Yeah. 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 All right, Daryl. Thank you. Appreciate the call. And Paul is in Columbus, Ohio. So, Paul, I have to ask you: Did you grow up in Columbus? No, I did. Oh. I did not. I uh, I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Well, the re- the reason I ask, and then I'll let you ask your question. And John, this this is a true story. Uh, the the kid show host in in Columbus forever was Flippo the Clown, and this guy was just huge. And when Cube started in the seventies, he was the big deal. But every time my husband hears your voice, he says, "It's Flippo! It's Flippo!" <laughs> and you you do sound exactly like Flippo, and to him, that's a compliment. So anyway, Paul, we're running out of time, but what is it? Yes, I was just wondering uh, if John ever worked the Cleveland market, and if so, yes. his opinion of Cleveland radio. I can tell you that yes, he did. But go for it, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did have an un, I had a very uh, unfortunate experience in Cleveland working for uh, Power One Hundred Eight. It was called Newberry. Uh, um, it had studios downtown and a transmitter out in the middle of nowhere, and it did not go well. Let's just put it that way. We don't have enough time John, for me to explain okay. all the crap that they pulled on me. Yeah. But uh. but let me tell you, John, I didn't realize they had moved. That that transmitter in Newberry is where the studios used to be. Oh, no. This, and, uh, the studios yeah. were down on Playhouse Square, right across from I, whatever the theater that was there. Right. Yeah. I had a girlfriend who did mornings there, and Carol Ford, who just terrific jock. And I remember her saying, a cow poked its head through the window. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful Newberry. So when I heard you were at power, I said, oh, my God. But so you, you were spared that, but nothing else. Was, was it Beasley when you were there? Um, no. Owned it? Wait a minute. Oh, oh. <laughs> it, was one ma- it was one person. One person owned it. And I can't okay. remember his name right now. It's probably for the best. Yes. All right, Paul, thank you for calling. Thanks, Raleigh. And, John, you're just a trooper. Thank you for staying an extra hour, and it's been a delight. My pleasure. Great to talk to you. I never realized that you were such an aficionado of the AM (laughs) genre. You blew me away. Wow. I've been doing been doing this a really long time, John. <laughs> so uh, I never thought I'd be doing it again. So like you being on, yeah. uh, on WGN, you know, if I, right. I would have crawled over glass for this. And now in my waning moments, it's like, wow, what a treat. Exactly. So uh, the big, big treat is listening to you before me every weekday. I can't oh, wait to you. hear more of it. And thanks again. My pleasure. All right.